to reading. We read the scripture as to not forget where we've come from and where we are going. That is towards Jesus. Take a moment to speak it out loud over your life, your family, and our world. Now let's read together. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Well, good morning. Welcome to Faith Church. Uh, my name is Matthew. If we haven't met yet, I want to say welcome to you, especially those of you that are online today. Maybe you're tuning in for the very first time, or maybe you're at home in quarantine. We just want to say we love you. We're glad you're here with us today. Uh, you are among friends and family today. Faith Church is a space where we really do believe that it's a place where you can belong, where you can come and learn and explore and discover what it means to follow after Jesus. This, uh, one of the things that we believe deeply here at Faith Church is that the, the local church has been charged and tasked with uh, a, a mission, that we've been charged to partner with the Holy Spirit to communicate the gospel and to confirm the gospel. We believe that the gospel of Jesus Christ, that scripture is something that we are to proclaim, to declare, to, to tell others about. But it's also something that we are meant to confirm. That we're supposed to bring faith to life. That we're supposed to live in a way that backs up the words that come out of our mouth. That we're, we're supposed to, to live in a way that demonstrates, wait a second, if we believe in a resurrected Christ, which we do, that there are some things that should accompany our lives. There's some transformation in our heart that, that coming to church is not just some box we get to check off so that we punch our one-way ticket to heaven and never to hell, but rather that when our hearts are transformed, something of a surrendered life brings transformation in how we go about our lives. We, we believe that what Jesus said when he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, and then he says, and these signs shall follow you who believe. There is some confirmation, some things that, that ought to be evident to those around us that something has changed shifted and transformed in our world that something is different that it's not life as normal and it's not life on your own it's life empowered and filled and transformed by the very spirit of god this is what we are about this is why we bring faith to life recently i've uh kind of reintroduce my kids to something. Uh, they, they had never really seen it. It was something of, uh, of my younger years that I loved. It was the movie Space Jam. Space Jam with Michael Jordan. Uh, because I wanted my kids to see what real basketball players look like. <laughs> what real men who take the court and don't need sissy fouls to spark up a their stats. I wanted to show them the original Space Jam. And then 
Then, of course, we did. I, 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 we introduced and we watched the, the latest Space Jam, the second iteration of it with LeBron James. And, and I was incredibly skeptical, friends. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't too sure that I even wanted to watch it. But I decided, let's go ahead and do it. And so despite my skepticism, I decided to, to dive in and to watch it. And I enjoyed the movie thoroughly with my kids. But, but there's something interesting, and, and I'm not going to spoil everything for you. Uh, LeBron James, they win. Uh, but, but besides that... Um, what you need to understand, and what I thought was interesting in the movie, was that the, the villain of the story, they were playing in this game of basketball, but the villain of the story, they understood that this game of basketball was able to be played with certain uh, power-ups and different special abilities that you could unlock and use in the game. And uh, they knew that well, and so the villains early on ran the score up by thousands. I mean, it was not even close. They were running up the score. And then eventually, Bugs Bunny and all of the Toon Squad, along with LeBron James, discovered that they too had the ability to utilize these special power-ups. And they came back and discovered a victory. And I thought it was fun and interesting, but I thought it was a great parallel for our life with the Holy Spirit. See, because there is a villain of your soul. And the villain of your soul is running up the score using everything at his disposal and ability to run it up. In our world, there's chaos, there's things that surround, there's confusion. We're trying to figure out what is true, what is not true. Uh, the enemy of our soul is using every uh, evil power at his disposal to run the score up in our world. But friends, I came to tell you today, and, and not to be overly cliche or weird about it or anything, I just want you to know that the Holy Spirit of God lives on the inside of you, and greater is he that lives in you than he that's in the world, and that we as a people of God have the ability to walk in the power of God and confirm this gospel. We believe that the Bible is true, that it is real, it is alive, it is for today, and Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and it'll be the same tomorrow and there are these abilities these special gifts that God wants to enable and make available to every believer and we read about it here in first Corinthians chapter 12 last Sunday that this is what the Apostle Paul was trying to get at, was saying, hey, listen, you you got to understand that, that uh, and in fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he came and he said, listen, I didn't come to pre preach persuasive words. I didn't come to win you over with eloquence and powerful talks and, and, and try to win you over with my charisma and great personality and winning smile. And my intellect, no, he, he didn't come in that way. He says, but I came in demonstration and power. See, the people in Corinth were, were going along with whoever had the best argument. Whatever meme was going viral was true. Whoever had the better platform and better speech, those were the ones that they, oh, that must be true. It sounds true. It must be, must be true. This sounds like it matters to me. It must be good and true. And, and Paul says, I didn't come playing that same game. I came with a demonstration of power through the Holy Spirit so that you might believe. Why? Because the church in Corinth, just like the church in Fort Scott, is charged to partner with the Spirit to communicate the gospel and confirm the gospel in our everyday life. 
this is what we are about. And, and these gifts that we looked at, these, uh, as 1 Corinthians 12 tells us, these manifestations or demonstrations, these visible signs of the Spirit at work among us, there, there, were, there were nine of them. And we looked at them. They were uh, healing, miracles, faith. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and discerning of spirits. These are the manifestations, these things that are in operation and evidence that in the body, in the family of God, in the people of God, are evidence of the Spirit's activity of God at work among us in a way that points people back to Jesus and the cross and the life that he's called us to live. These are for us today, and, and I believe that, that we need them today. I believe that, that they're in actuality today. I, I, I have, with my own eyes throughout my life, seen people get up out of wheelchairs, hands that were withered stretched out, eyes that were blind be opened, dead people being raised back from the dead. I'll have to tell you that story sometime. It'll blow your gaskets. It was pretty wild. Uh, I've seen miracle things take place, storms that were coming where rain was everywhere, but right where we were at so that we could accomplish what God had sent us to do. I, I've been in moments where, where there were demonic activity happening and these people and all of a sudden the power of God shows up and they get delivered and set free. I've, I've seen these things with my eyes, the power of scripture at work today. I, I've, I've seen these moments where a special faith rises up and where fear might be trying to creep in. There's a sense of faith that says, no, there is something different that God wants to do that isn't the narrative that we have to believe, but, but there's a special faith that arises so that we can continue to move forward with courage and faith and boldness. I, I've seen words of knowledge occur where, where I'm talking with people and all of a sudden the Lord uh, whispers, I feel like the Holy Spirit whispers something to me about that person and I say, is this true about you? And they're like, yeah, how did you know? It's like, it doesn't matter how I know, it's just God, here's why this is important and we're able to talk and unfold some things. I, I, I've seen um, moments where I've been ministering or other people have been ministering and the Lord give somebody a word. Uh, I remember um, not too long ago, it was a couple years ago here, I started praying and we were doing some ministry time after worship and I said somebody with, I believe God wants to heal somebody's shoulder and, and people started to lift their hands and worship in that moment and, and those who had a shoulder problem, all of a sudden God started to heal and so these gifts aren't in isolation. Often these gifts overlap and they work together. Why? Because God wants to confirm the fact that he's alive, that he's real, that he's on the move and that people can believe in this kind of a God. This is what we believe and what we preach. I, I've, I've been in moments where uh, a word of wisdom, a word of wisdom is just simply something that you know by the Spirit of God that is an applied knowledge. It's the solution. It's an answer. It's the wisdom that you need for the moment or the situation that you're facing. No lie, I remember um, it was uh, when I was serving at a church in North Carolina. We were uh, church was about to start and one of my responsibilities was uh, the service and all of the technology and the production and there were some things that were happening and we could not figure out why this one piece wasn't working and it was kind of delaying the start of our service if we didn't get it fixed it wasn't going to be a good Sunday for anybody it would have been really awkward and weird and I remember sitting there's like Lord and I just stopped and I began to pray and then I asked the Lord Lord what is it I need to change or do and just just like that, this, 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 this element of wisdom looks like this is what it is. Go, go check this. Wouldn't you know it? 
that was the very thing that was causing the problem and the solution was found and away we went and we moved on with our day and our lives. Word of wisdom, these moments that occur. I've been in places where prophetic words have been given. The very fact that we did ministry for, for 13 years, my wife and I serving in different churches in North Carolina, all happened because of prophetic words using scripture that somebody gave to us words that they wouldn't have known. They're like, I, I believe this is what God says for you and is for you. And gave us some verses in Isaiah um, that to this day, these verses have rung true in our ministry and the things that we've experienced and led us to walk out what we needed to walk out and, and the life that we've lived. And it's been amazing. And it all comes from prophetic. There were prophetic words. There were tongues where um, I, I pray in tongues all the time. We'll talk more about tongues next Sunday. Um, interpretation of tongues. There's been moments where I know the very thing that I'm praying about because I asked the Lord to show me what I've been praying, and he shows me what I've been praying. And there have been moments where somebody has a public tongue, and they stand up, and they give a message in tongues, and somebody else, because the Bible says, we'll get into it next week, 1 Corinthians 14, somebody stands up, gives a tongue. There has to be a public interpretation, because if there's a public tongue, there has to be a public interpretation. Otherwise, it is pointless for all of us who are sitting around who don't understand what they're saying. It just sounds like gibberish, and we're like, uh-huh, whatever. Somebody tell me what that meant, right? And so they explain it, and they interpret it, and it's... A powerful move. I, I remember, um, I'll tell you the story next Sunday. Never mind, you got to come back for this one. It's an amazing, amazing, amazing story using tongues and interpretation. And then, of course, discerning of spirits. This is the gift where, 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 where you know that something is behind the scenes going on that is different, that the enemy is at work. It's not the Spirit of God, and you need to be aware of it. All of these gifts God has given to the body of Christ, manifestations of the Spirit of God. Now, now there are some guidelines for how these things ought to operate. There are some parameters and, and some, some solid counsel. But first, we need to understand that they're real and they're a part of our life, and that was what 1 Corinthians 12 was all about. And then you get into 1 Corinthians 13 and he shows us the right filter in which we are to use these gifts. And then in chapter 14, you're going to see how we ought to explore them, personally pursue them, expect them, long for them. But yet in our gatherings, there's still a distinction as to how these things ought to operate because God does everything with decency and in order. And it's not some crazy chaotic experience that is for your benefit and entertainment alone but rather to confirm the gospel so that it can be communicated clearly and people can experience God friends these gifts these nine gifts were a part of the life of Jesus did Jesus heal people yes, yes. did Jesus see miracles and have power over the uh, the demons yes he absolutely did. Walked on water, multiplied loaves and fishes, casted out evil spirits. He walked and operated in miracles. Did Jesus have faith to move mountains? Yeah, he had this gift of faith that in moments when everybody else was doubting, he's like, no, 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 get out of here. 
she's not dead, she's only asleep, let's get on with this and see what the Father wants to do in this moment. There, there are these, no, 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 I know, Peter, you think that what we need to do is stay here, but I'm telling you, we need to leave the success of this region and move to another region because I know that I know that the Father is asking me to go to another place in another village to preach the gospel as well. You see Jesus having word of knowledge. Oh, I, the woman at the well, please go get your husbands. I don't have a husband. You're right, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the guy you're living with now isn't your husband. Male red, I perceive you might be a prophet, Lord. Yeah, you think? <laughs> Jesus operated in this word of knowledge often. It's just one example, word of wisdom. Hey, Peter, I want you to go to this lake. Get the first fish that you see. Pull it out. In that fish will be some coins that'll pay your taxes and my taxes. Thank the Father on the way, and then do, do whatever you want with the fish later, right? Like, this occurred in the Gospels. And then Jesus obviously had prophecies. He, he prophesied to Jerusalem. He prophesied about his own death, burial, and resurrection. And then, of course, we, we don't see it in reality, the tongue and interpretation. And, and I think there are some reasons perhaps why, why that is, except for the fact that he did tell us that we would receive the Holy Spirit and we would know for a fact that the Holy Spirit came. And the very thing that they did the moment they received the Holy Spirit was speak in tongues. If you want to argue about it, read your Bible in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 and the end of chapter of Luke. I'm telling you, it's there. Jesus told us to expect those things, and they occurred. And then, of course, you have discerning of spirits. Mark chapter 9, Jesus uh, rebukes a deaf and mute spirit that had um, caused a young boy to not speak or hear. It was a healing, but the reason the boy wasn't getting healed was there was something behind it. The woman who had the issue of blood, the Bible says that there was a spirit of infirmity that was causing all of her problems. It wasn't just some biological issue alone. There was something behind the biological issue. And Jesus had the discernment. Peter started speaking, and Jesus was like, Satan, get behind me. That's not from the Lord. That's a lying word. Being deceitful. Jesus operated in these things. And then Jesus told us, I'm giving you the same authority, the same power, and I want you to go preach the word and confirm the word with signs following. Friends, the gifts of the Spirit are not just for our entertainment. They're to help the gospel of Jesus Christ go forward and to help other people walk in freedom, health, wholeness, and be reconciled to Jesus Christ. They have a reason for these things. And the Apostle Paul spends some time in 1 Corinthians 12 telling us about these gifts. And then we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and he says this in the very beginning, or actually it's like the end of chapter 12, he says, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. And he goes right into 1 Corinthians 13, and he says, if I speak with the tongues of men or of angels, but don't have love, I am a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and I have all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have over my very body to, to hardships and to sacrifice, then I can boast in the sacrifice, but I do not have love, I gain. 
I think it's really important for us to understand that 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 13, and 1 Corinthians 14 are all meant to go together. They're not meant to be in isolation. You've, you've probably heard 1 Corinthians 13 quoted, but typically we only quote verses 4 through 8a. At every wedding you've ever been to, this is what's known as the love chapter. But what you don't understand often is within the context of the love chapter is this powerful understanding that God wants you to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. But he wants you to do it in love. And without it, there's a problem. And 1 Corinthians 13, I, I, I really read this in three kind of sections. This first section of 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3, is, is really the reason for it all. The reason behind the spiritual gifts is love. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean the reason that God would want us to operate in spiritual gifts and seeing manifestations of the Spirit is because He loves people a whole lot. The reason He would want you to have a prophetic word is because He loves the person who needs the encouragement. The reason he would give you the ability to speak in tongues is because when you speak in tongues, you build and edify up yourself. And when you edify yourself, you edify yourself in the spirit of God. And it is only through the spirit that you can love. The reason he would give us these gifts is because God loves the world so much that he gave us these things. This is the reason why? But I think it's also important that we look at this section, verse 1 through verse 3, and we understand this very, very important thing. Without love, the most magnificent manifestations of the Spirit and the most heroic self-sacrifices mean nothing without love. He says that without love in this process, you can be as spiritual a person as anybody has ever seen. You can have power and God answer your prayers and you can do these things and have spiritual experiences. But if you don't have love, you are a noisy, loud, ineffective sounding symbol. If you came to church today needing a nap, it is not your Sunday. Just wants you to know. Some of you are like, man, I really hope he doesn't hit that. I really hope he doesn't hit that. Just go ahead and get some of the earplugs on your way in next time because here we go. You are noisy, loud, and ineffective when we use the power of the Spirit without love. He says that if you speak in tongues, speak in tongues but you don't know how to speak kind words to your spouse you don't know how to talk to your children without being harsh and you don't know how to speak publicly about other people without being critical or a gossip you are an annoying sound to the world around you if you have the ability to prophesy Coronavirus will not touch our shores. President Trump will win the election. But it doesn't actually occur and you never acknowledge that you were wrong or that you didn't get it right. It's just a loud, annoying sound. It's pointless. 
If you have faith, I declare that all my needs are met. I can speak to this mountain. I'm blessed. I'm the head and not the tail. I have faith that God's going to provide. He's El Shaddai. He's more than enough. But you're not working while you're waiting. And you're not stewarding your money in the correct way. And you may have a verse but no actual action in your life. You are a annoying sound. Everybody's getting nervous. (laughs) Annoyed, I hope. You could come and be like, I serve the poor, I give things away, I volunteer at church, I always say yes, and look how much I've done, but yet you're living with a victim mentality and a woe is you, and you have no joy in the process, and you think you ought to be this and that, and you ought to be given this opportunity and that opportunity, and you think you ought to be poor, and you've done all these things, but you don't actually have love, and you don't actually have joy, you don't actually are kind in the process, and you have a victim mentality, then you are a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal, and you gain nothing in the process. Yeah, but pastor, I... I serve and I'm kind, but yet you've never actually surrendered your will to the Lord. You've just become a loud, loud symbol and sound. Friends, hear me really, really clearly. The right things must be done in the right way. The right things must be done in the right way. What's the right way? Well, that's where section two comes in. 1 Corinthians 13, and this is what it says. We read it a minute ago. Verses 4 through 8, it says, Love is patient. Love is kind. Does not boast. It's not proud. Doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never Fails. Friends, the the reason is love. The right way is love. Hear me really clearly. Love is not without boundaries. Love is not permissive of all sin. Love is not defined by your own emotional interpretation of yourself. Love is not left up for you to define. Love is not me allowing you to do whatever you want and whatever you think is right and not standing up for righteousness. That's not love. Love is not allowing you to manipulate me to get what you want. And if I don't give it to you, then I must not love you. That's not love. That's not love. But love is very patient. It's very kind. It's not envious and greedy. 
It's not boastful. Look how good I am. Look how, look how spiritual I am. Watch, is somebody watching me lift my hands? They ought to be watching me lift my hands. I'm going to give to the Lord today. Wait, wait, wait. Three people are watching now. I'm going to drop it in the offering box. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweet about how awesome it is that I get to serve and how serving, we love you talking about serving, but if you're doing it to get noticed, love, love keeps no record of wrong. So when you're in your argument with your boss and you remember how they did the wrong thing three weeks ago and you bring it up in their face to try and prove your point, You're like, I don't ever get in an argument with my boss. Whatever my boss says goes. Yeah, but what if your boss is your wife? Let's take, it, let's take it into the home for a minute. And let's flip the roles for a minute. Because we all know women can remember way more things than men do. And you're in that argument, and you've already repented and made forgiveness, but they go ahead and bring up that thing that you did four years ago, seven days and 28 minutes. It keeps no record of wrong. Friends, if it is, don't, don't miss this. If it is not filtered through love, it shouldn't flow from your life. If it isn't filtered through love, it ought not show up on your Facebook feed. If it is not filtered through love, it ought not proceed from your mouth. And my mouth has to be filtered through love. Can, can I? Can I, can I bring it back into context for a minute? If you have a prophetic word and you sense God wanting to say something to somebody else, but you don't deliver it with kindness. If, 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 if you're in a moment and you know you've got a spiritual gift and God wants to give somebody healing, but they don't want you to pray for them and you walk away offended. If, if you feel like God wants to, 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 to do something and you happen to see the miraculous protection of God and you should have died in that car wreck, but you didn't die in that car wreck because we serve a miracle God who protects and saves your life and he's the only one who knows how to number your own days correctly. And if all that happens and you're walking around telling your story because you want people to notice you and look at you and hey, your motives are wrong. And if we show up to church to try to see and to sing and to do these things and we build ourselves up into some emotional frenzy, woohoo! But you can't be kind to the person who sat in your seat because that's your seat and you've sat there for your whole life and you paid for that seat. It probably has your nameplate somewhere. You've got at least four pieces of gum you stuck to the bottom of that chair and how dare they? Oh... You want to talk about church folk behavior? I got some words and some stories for us. The right thing must be done in the right way. If it doesn't filter through love, it shouldn't flow from your life. But don't miss this. Don't miss this other side of it. When you see somebody else manifesting one of these gifts of the Spirit, and you know that they speak in tongues, but your thoughts towards them are, are arrogant. Your thoughts towards them are full of hate, bitterness, 
and how you react to the gifts of the Spirit working in somebody else's life. If it doesn't look like love, you're reacting and looking at it the wrong way. You may not understand it. They may be wrong. They may have not had that dream. They may have not had that word. It may have not been the thing. They may have gotten it wrong. Don't be like that. Don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. I've had people give me words over my life, like, here's, here's a prophetic word, here's this, and I just took it, and we're supposed to weigh and judge those things. And I looked at Scripture, and I looked at the character of God, and it's like, ah, I'm not so sure that's right. You know what I didn't do? I didn't get on a soapbox and call him a false prophet. They just got it wrong. That's okay. Don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. How do you utilize the gifts of the Spirit in your life? And how do you respond when you observe the gifts of the Spirit operating in your life? Has to filter through love. Has to filter through love. And if it doesn't filter through love, you have the wrong filter. Because love is patient with people who are trying to learn and observe. Love is kind when they get it wrong. Love doesn't envy and it doesn't boast when they get it right. It's not proud that they got it right or they got it wrong. It doesn't rejoice when they got it wrong. Seeing like I knew they were wrong. They shouldn't have prophesied it. Friends, I had to repent. Can I, can I just say I had to repent? I was frustrated, very, very frustrated with my charismatic brothers and sisters. Because they were using, I believe, the gifts incorrectly. I believe they were using it for political gain and per persuasion and prophesying things that I didn't think were biblical or right, and I thought they were wrong, and they ended up being wrong. And then they never repented or acknowledged that they were wrong. And I'm like, ah, this is why people think we're crazy. <laughs> but I was keeping a record of wrong. And I had to come back to the Lord and say, Lord, you're right. I, I'm not actually walking in love towards those who love you? I have to filter everything through love or it shouldn't flow from your life. And then he comes to this final section and he says, now remember these things. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it'll pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I th talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man or when I became mature in the Lord, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only in a reflection as in a mirror, but we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Now these things, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. The reminder the Apostle Paul is giving us is, remember, love doesn't fail. So, so even if you think they're doing the gifts wrong, walk in love and you'll always be on the right side of it. And when you're using the gifts and you're feeling like you're prophesying, you're doing these things, remember to operate in love because if you don't operate in love, you're missing the mark entirely. You're using faith, but you're using faith for greed and envy. You're using it wrong. It's not about growing materialism. 
It's about learning to trust God in every area of your life. Friends, there are many people who would interpret these verses here at the end of 1 Corinthians 13 and say, see, one day it will all pass away. We have the Bible that is perfect. All of the other need for prophecies and tongues, all of that now has passed away because what is perfect has come and that's the Bible. I disagree with that interpretation. Here's why. Because even though I have the Bible, I still don't know everything. And even though we have the Bible, as wonderful it is, the presence of sin still exists in our world. And one day, all of those things will be rectified. We will know the mysteries of God will be seen, and the very presence of sin will be expelled from our midst. But that day hasn't come yet, so we hold on to hope in the coming age of Jesus returning again. People would say, How we, we don't need prophecy, we have scripture. We don't need tongues. We can interpret on our own and it's all good. No. Do we still need knowledge? They would all say, yes, we still need knowledge. So if we still need knowledge, then perhaps we still need the prophetic word of God to bring encouragement and edify and lift us up. And if we still need to be edified and encouraged through prophetic words and we need God to speak to us and help us navigate and walk through life, we need the spiritual gifts, then maybe just maybe we still need a spiritual language. I'm going to talk more about that next week. The first section of all of chapter 14 is all about the proper way to use the grace and the gift of a prayer language. And I'll, I'll tease it with just this one thing. Are you able to fully control your mouth and use your words in a good way all the time, all on your own? Why don't you need the Spirit of God to help you control your mouth too? Do you always know what to pray? And do your prayers always perfectly align up with the will of God? When you pray in the Spirit, they do. I'll show you in Scripture next week. It hasn't ceased. So the reminder isn't, one day they will go away. Right now we still need them. So walk in love, friends. That's the reminder. The reminder is stop acting childish towards other people who use spiritual gifts and who don't use spiritual gifts. Friends, just because I've seen some things in my life and I've seen the manifestations of the Spirit and, and I know how to pray in tongues and, and I've prophesied and God's used me in some amazing ways in my life, it doesn't make me better than anyone else. I don't get a fast-track Disney pass in heaven to get into gates before you do. Friends, the church is called mission to communicate the gospel to confirm the gospel that we preach in bringing faith to life this is what we're called to do friends love is perpetually needed love is always required in a moment a spiritual gift may not be i may not need to pray in tongues and interpret in tongues in this moment sometimes i just need to say i forgive you I don't, I don't need a prophetic word to know I need to forgive my wife. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. I don't need a prophetic word to know that I need to repent and ask my wife to forgive me. Let's be honest. 
But what, you know what I do need? To demonstrate love. I may not know the mystery behind whether the vaccine is or is not a thing from God or a pawn of Satan. I may not know that mystery, but you know what I do know? That the words that come out of my mouth better be kind and they better build somebody up or it is not supposed to pass through my mouth. Friends, can, can I remind us that love is the way that we're supposed to walk in? Love is the way we need now these things remain faith, hope, love. Faith helps us see that the kingdom of God is here among us and it can grow through us. Hope of the coming age that one day what is perfect and amazing and wonderful, it will come to pass, but he hasn't returned yet. And until that day comes, I want to do everything I can in love as I demonstrate and participate in his kingdom here and now until it fully comes then. Would you stand with me as we come to the table of the Lord? At home, I, I hope you have some elements nearby. If you're here in the room and you have the elements, would you just go ahead and just peel back the first layer, get the little wafer out. And then once you have the wafer in hand, go ahead and peel back the next layer and get the juice ready and just hold on to them. And we'll take them here in a minute. As we come to the Lord's table, I, I wanna encourage you to put this into practice this week. A real practical way in which you can practice this message this week. Here, here, here's what I want you to do, I want you to do two things. I want you to look up and write down the definitions to these words in 1 Corinthians 13 where it says love is this and it's not like this. Love is this and it's not. Look up, the, what, look, look up what the word dishonor means. Look up what the word envy means. Look what up the word boast means. Look up what the word patient means. Kindness. Look them up. Understand what they mean. And throughout your day, number two, just simply ask, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do in this moment? What does love require of me in this situation, in this conversation, in this moment? Before you go correcting your kids, God, what does love require of me? How should I respond? Before I communicate, and I send this email at work, what does love require of me? Before I post, on, Lord, what does love require of me in this moment? Know what the definitions of these love things means, and then ask the Lord, what does it require of me in this moment? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? We're coming to the table and we take the bread which is broken for us and we drink of the cup which was poured out for us for our forgiveness. Why? Because the way of love was demonstrated on the cross. It was a self-sacrificing willingness to be broken on behalf of others and to be poured out as an offering to others. This is our message, church. We say, God, if you can use anything to communicate the gospel, would you use my life to demonstrate the gospel? God, would you bring faith to life through me this week? And where I miss it, may I remember that I'm reconciled because of the cross. 
because of your love sacrifice, Jesus, on the cross, I can be healed and I can be forgiven and I can experience wholeness and I can communicate to the world around me that you can make them whole too. Lord, we make room for you to speak to our hearts right here, right now. What are you saying to us today, Holy Spirit? Lord, we want to walk in obedience to you. That night, Jesus was betrayed. He took some bread. He broke it. He says, this is my body, which is broken for you. Every time you eat this bread, do it remembering me. Let's remember that. Partake together. And he took a cup and he says, this is the cup of a new covenant. This represents my blood, which forgives your sins. It forgives you when you mess up and it gives you the power to forgive other people when they mess up. It gives you the ability to walk in love. He says, take it, drink, and do so remembering me. Let's remember together. Father, we, your people, want to live as your people. God, we don't always get it right. Lord, sometimes we, we look at spiritual gifts and we have this disdain in our heart for them. And God, that's not the way of love. God, for some of us, we've, we've experienced your gifts and we know your manifestations. But Lord, sometimes we do it in selfish ways and we don't do it right. And we don't do it with humility, but rather with pride and arrogance. Lord, would you forgive us too? God, would you help us do what 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says, would you help us follow the way of love and still eagerly desire these spiritual manifestations? Our hearts are yours, God. May we go from this place living examples of you, Jesus, in all that we say and do. May the words of our mouth the meditations of our heart and the motives within us and the actions that we demonstrate this week, God, be pleasing and honorable in your sight. Our strength, our redeemer, our Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, we pray. And all the people of God said, Amen. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see it in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.